God, we are going to where He has called us and where He has opened the way. And uh, in order to help you remember, I hope, part of this sermon, because I know that sometimes after we finish this evening and we go out and then, what did she speak? Huh? I don't know. <laughs> so I'm giving you some hooks to hang today's, uh, this evening's sermon on with M, since we are talking about mission, on missions, and we are in Malaysia. So we're talking about four M's here. Uh, one has a double uh, M. So it's missionary mandate, the missionary message, the mis missionary method, and the mission field. Okay, that we're going to look at. So we start with Acts 1.8. Very familiar, very uh, kind of known passage to us, and particularly as Pentecostals, because uh, we use this as our springboard uh, to talk about even our experience of empowerment by the Holy Spirit. So here it is, Acts 1.8 tells us, that but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We know this passage actually is also linked to Matthew 28, the Great Commission as we call it. So, this missionary mandate, they are both very important to us. It is what Jesus says before he is ascended into heaven. So, these are more or less his last words that are there. And uh, the disciples have gathered and uh, they are kind of afraid. The disciples, as we know, knew that just before that, Jesus was arrested and uh, he was crucified. But now he's alive. So in that way, they're encouraged. But on the other hand, they are still afraid. Uh, Peter had denied Jesus three times. And now Jesus would be leaving them again. And so Jesus gives them both this mandate or this command but he also gives them a promise that's there. It's both, uh, both and. And in this promise, he says, you shall receive power. I'm not just going to leave you. You're not going to be abandoned. You are going to be empowered. And this word power is dunamis, dynamite, powerful explosive you're going to change the world basically is what he, he has told them and has given them this promise and uh, he also says this power is from the Holy Spirit it's from on high and uh, the other word he says is this power what is it for it's to be witnesses 
So power and witness come together. The thing is, this word witness in a more uh, normal sense or common sense way of saying is if we were to be called in as witnesses in a court case, we have to testify of the truth. We are to stand and say, this is what I saw, this is what happened, and we need to tell exactly. So the early believers were ones who followed Jesus for the three years of his ministry. And then in more current uh, setting here, you find that they saw that Jesus died, he resurrected. So they knew this is the truth. I have to tell what I have seen, what I have experienced. You know, a Thomas saying, ah, I won't believe until I put my hand in the side where he got wounded, where he has nails pierced, hands, then only I believe. But we know that incident, before even he could do all that, he saw Jesus, he just fell down and said, my Lord and my God. That was enough for him. He had all the proof that he needs. But you know this word witnesses in the Bible, it has this meaning of martyr. Maturo. And um, I teach quite young students in the seminary mix, mix group. A lot of them are younger. But I have to talk about death. Huh? Chinese will say, choi, choi, choi. Why do you want to talk about death? But when we talk about missions, this is the reality. There are missionaries who put their lives on the line. They are in very difficult, very dangerous situations. So here we see that to be called a witness, to be empowered to be a witness, may also mean that we are willing to die for our faith. Because this is what happened to most of the apostles if we look back, the Bible doesn't record all their deaths, but we can, by church history and trace back to other, um, other kind of historical facts and all that, we realize that some died, you know, like Peter. He said, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord. So he was actually crucified upside down. Uh, Thomas... <laughs> The one I just mentioned, we go to India and they are very proud that Thomas was there. But he was persecuted there, he was also uh, martyred there. And if you go to Chennai, you'll find places that uh, highlight that for us. So in, even to today, if you go up and uh, just make a search about the martyrs of today, you'll find that many uh, have died for their faith in Christ. But the next thing we see is not only that there is a mandate, but there is also a message that we carry. 
And the message is this in Acts 20:21. It says, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. The message is as simple as A, B, C. Accept, believe, confess. And it's not just uh, saying that, you know, you are caught in your sin and I'm sorry I'm caught. <laughs> it's actually being sorry for one's sin. To truly confess that sin and to turn around 180 degrees, not 360 then you end up the same way you came. So the message is very clear. And these words that were penned here uh, in Acts 20, 21, was actually to the leaders uh, from the city of Ephesus. The church in Ephesus sent some of their leaders to meet up with Paul. And if we think of Ephesus, it's no different than any mega city today or urbanized city today. There was idolatry there, there was immorality there, and sin was uh, abounding in this city. And so here Paul was saying, preach the word and make sure people know that they should repent. So, in whatever culture we go to, sin does abound. But repentance is the necessary component to salvation. We cannot compromise that. That is the message. And when this message is preached wholeheartedly, genuinely, in all the power that comes from the Holy Spirit, we find that people will respond and commit their lives to God. You know, it is said that the highest number of people who have come to Christ is because somebody shared with them. It's not in a big meeting. I think as we have analyzed many of the large, uh, I don't like the word, but we used to use the word crusade. I'd rather call it an evangelistic meeting. The people who have come forward for uh, the altar call for accepting Christ, they came because somebody brought them. They came because if you ask them further back, somebody shared with them. And though they do not know, there were people praying for them. So it's all a kind of series of events, uh, a procedure before they come to that point of accepting Christ. So the message of repentance must be very uh, clearly, very surely uh, stated to the people uh, who are in the hearing of the gospel. The third point is about the missionary method. And here we read this also familiar passage to us, Romans 10, verses 13 to 15. And it says, For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him 
in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Friends, you have beautiful feet. Have you looked at your feet today? <laughs> you actually have beautiful feet. You may have thought, I have very ugly feet. No. The Bible says, as long as those feet have been taking you to people, to places, to bring the good news, to bring peace to that place, you and I have beautiful feet. And here, when Paul is writing to the Romans, he's actually talking about how the Jews did reject Jesus Christ as the Savior. He goes on to tell them that salvation is obtained by faith. And faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So people must be sent. People must go to where people have needs. And he was reminding them it is not a matter of religion or birthright, but it is by faith and by faith alone. You know, it said, we were just in that passage where Jesus has given the mandate and he is going up into heaven, he is ascending into heaven. So someone kind of made up this legend, so it's not from the Bible, huh? I'm not preaching heresy to you, but it's a legend and it could have happened, I think. When Jesus ascended into heaven, Maybe an angel came to him and uh, looked down again on earth and said, Jesus, are you just leaving this responsibility, this awesome responsibility to those guys down there? They have betrayed you. They have denied you. They have deserted you. You going to trust them? Jesus. Do you have a plan B? No, there's no plan B. The mandate is to the men and to the women. The method are human beings. I think it is uh, Redpath, Alan Redpath, a theologian and a a revivalist speaker, he said this, that, you know, God could write the gospel in the stars if he chose, but instead he chose to use human beings, just ordinary people, just fishermen, just tax collectors even. Jesus had, yeah, sinners. Sinners saved by grace. That's who he is using today even. So God is using human people. 
You know, Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham, was walking with his son, uh, Franklin. So Franklin was just a little boy of eight, maybe like the little boy running around just now. And Franklin asked his father, Billy Graham, the great evangelist, Dad, why did Jesus have to become a human being? And so Billy Graham had to think. I mean, he's talking to a little boy. He's not talking to the masses. He's not talking to adults who would understand some big words like incarnation. So instead, as they were passing by this anthill, he said to his son, Son, if we stood here and preached the gospel to these ends, you think they understand us? And the little boy had to think about it, but very quickly he said, No, Dad, they wouldn't. So what do we have to do if we want them to understand us? Yeah, become an ant. <laughs> exactly. That's what Jesus did. He became a human being. God has called missionaries to go all over the world and to be among the people. Not to lord over them, not to be below even, but to walk beside and to be among them. You know, recently I was talking to a friend who does Bible translation, but for the deaf. And she said whenever the deaf talk about leaders, the sign is always four fingers behind and then someone in front, okay, one finger in front. And we're talking about that. But Jesus didn't always lead that way. Jesus usually led from among the people. And even if you think about the metaphor of a shepherd, a shepherd doesn't lead the sheep from the front. Actually, he leads from behind. So sometimes leaders, we leaders can be behind or looking over things. Then the fourth point is about the mission field. Again, a very familiar passage uh, that we have read again and again. And that is, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all these things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. So there you have it. Jesus is speaking again his last words in a different way. We are back to the mandate. We are back to the Great Commission. And the first thing I want you to notice is the commission states these, that the authority is given to Jesus. But he gives that delegated authority to you and I. That's what we have. That's why we go forth. Because we have power and we have authority. Now someone said, to distinguish the two, 
power is when a policeman, policewoman stands and they put their hands out to stop a car. Now, the car can run them down. But they need to have the other thing, right? Authority. They, by their own strength, cannot stop the car. But because they are authorized as a police person, they can stop the car. Or the car should stop. Some run away still. <laughs> but they should have both. And uh, we also see that the message is clear to go, go into all the world. Someone asked, well, how do you unpack, how do you exegete go? Go is go. There's no secret message behind it. Except this, the go in the Greek is in a continuous form. So it should read, as you are going, preach the gospel, make disciples. It means that as you are working in whatever job you're doing, as you are a son, a daughter, a family member, in this kind of situation, you just need to preach the gospel. It is a natural outflow of your life in Christ. So go. But go where? We look at John 4. And here you have it. Do you not say there are still four months and there comes the harvest? Before, behold, I tell you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying it is true, one sows and another reaps. I tell you that for which you have not laboured, others have laboured. And you have entered into their labours. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman, Samaritan woman, who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Lift up your eyes, for it's ripe for harvest. Like you to do one little exercise with me. I've been just talking about communications. So you have to do something with me. Please stand. Try to have a little space between you and the person beside you. Try not to poke their eyes or hit them. <laughs> want you to stretch out your arms as far as you can stretch. If I ask you to do this for one hour, I won't. <laughs> it's going to be hard. You feel the strain and the stress in your arms. Some of you are 
more fit than others, I think. But you know, Jesus had to stretch out, leave his body so that he could continue breathing. Otherwise, he would have died faster because his lungs would have collapsed. Put your hands down. To look, lift up your eyes, it takes effort. It takes you being willing to be Christ to the people who do not yet know him. It takes you stretching out your hands in love. How much does God love you? Infinitely. This much. Infinite. Cannot count. Cannot imagine. That's how much you need to love the lost. That's how much you need to feel the way Jesus feels. Please be seated. So in other words, the mission field is everywhere and everyone. The fields are white unto harvest. That means it's already beyond ripe. It is going to fall down and rot. So I hope that we realize that we need to bring this message to many other people. To go out to the mission field is a personal sacrifice, but rewards are great. God blesses us in all sorts of ways. Acts 14, 27 and 28. And now they had come and gathered the church together and they reported that God, all, they reported all that God had done with them. And he has opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed with the disciples in the church in Antioch of Syria for a longer time. Paul and Silas, Paul and Barnabas, they often, or all the time, their pattern was they went to the mission field and then they came back and reported. But they didn't report, hey, this is what I did. This is what uh, we, you know, set this up. We have so many people come to Christ. Instead, they reported what God did with them, through them. And this is the attitude that we need to have. Hudson Taylor had this experience. I close with this illustration, then we have a short video. A middle-aged man was one of the leading officers of a Buddhist sect in China. So when Hudson Taylor was preaching in inland China, he met this man. And he listened to the gospel and he decided this was the truth. And so he became a Christian. And he was very effective in testifying to the other Buddhists. But this is what happened at that point. 
He asked Hudson Taylor a question. Actually, how long has England known the gospel? And how long have you been a Christian? And Hudson Taylor had to stop and actually he felt embarrassed because he had to tell the man actually Christianity in England has been there for a few hundred years already. And in a way, Hudson Taylor was born into a Christian family. He grew up knowing the Lord. He accepted Christ at a certain point, but he knew Christ for a long time, while he was young even. And the man said this to him, simply, why didn't you come sooner? Has anyone come up to you and asked you, how long have you been a Christian? Why have we not told the people that we can about Christ? I leave you with that thought. I want just to watch a video here entitled, I Am Missionary. In the beginning, God created man in his own image. He walked with man in the cool of Eden, but sin interrupted that union. So God created the missionary. God said, I need someone willing to say no to the status quo, no to the dream of wealth, leave their families to fly to a distant land and learn a language they have never heard, ride in cramped buses on backs of camels, someone who would sleep anywhere, eat anything, bear the heat, and fight the freeze with a smile on their face, just to take the gospel to a people not their own. So God created the missionary. God said, because the harvest is plentiful, I need someone ready to sow the seed, to plow the ground, water the seed, and reap the harvest which is ripe. Someone to go and train, to multiply the crops, and to answer the call and pay the price. So God created the missionary. God said, I need someone who is a radical servant of all, taking the lowliest job, washing the feet of the poor, caring for the sick, and cleaning their wounds. I need someone to visit the prisoner, care for the widow and the orphan, to sit in the dust with a child and tell them that they are loved. So God made a missionary. God said he needed someone who would believe that blind eyes could see and lame feet could walk and that the dead could live again. Someone who would pray long hours and intercede through the night with wordless groans of petition 
so that one soul might be saved. God said, I need someone honest and brave, full of grace, mercy, and compassion, free from fear and passivity, walking in true identity, someone burning with love and girded with truth, someone who radiantly reflects God's glory. So God made a missionary. God said, I need someone who would say yes before they were asked, someone who would go to distant islands, barren deserts, inner cities, closed nations, next-door neighbors, and prestigious universities to reach the unreached. Who would hike any mountain and endure any obstacle? Because how will they believe in him of whom they have never heard? How will they hear unless someone preaches? And how will they preach unless they are sent? So God made the missionary.